What is up, guys and gals? It is the off-season for the Pirates, but we're still here bringing you the content. As always, Noah Hiles, Alex Stump, and Alex, I don't know about you, but uh, I think Eric Kratz has my vote for most valuable player this season. <laughs> well, maybe this postseason. I mean, I'm happy for the dude. I mean, I didn't know him his first in Pittsburgh, but you know he came in for a hot minute in 2016, and he was a real nice guy. I'm glad he finally got a chance to, you know, get any playing time or, heck, even a consistent roster spot, and he's making the most of it, and now he's four wins away from catching in the World Series. Yeah. Good for him. I mean, it's it's crazy. Like, this is like David Ross 2.0, but David Ross had, like, a season-long progression of his glow-up. Eric Kratz has had, like... I don't even know. I mean, yeah, he was their catcher, I guess, down this whole stretch. But, like, his his built-in fame has come so fast. And I saw the one stat. He had, like, five hits in the NLDS. He only had, like, eight hits in all of 2016 or something like that. Yeah. Absolutely nuts. But then, I mean, he's not the only former Pirate. We're not going to do this the whole show, obviously. But you look at Kieran Bro- Keon Broxton hit a home run. Brock Holt, first postseason cycle ever. Uh, you know, Kutch didn't do great. Neil Walker didn't play too bad in Game 4 for the Yankees. Uh, I mean, there was a whole bunch of plays. Hechevarria made the best defensive play of the postseason so far. You're forgetting the best one. David Freeze? Who's going to get a ring if the Brewers win it all? Is Mike that? Zagurski. Yeah. We- I, I hit the baseball reference. He pitched one inning this year. And somehow managed a 63 ERA and negative 0.7 WAR, which, well, I don't know what you would expect. I mean, Mike Zagurski might be the worst baseball player of all time. I'm not even exaggerating. Like, I think, no offense. If he's listening, I'm sorry. I mean, if you put it in a certain threshold, baseball references negative 2.3 WAR. I mean, that's... Chris Davis this year, but that's not exactly good. Uh, yeah, I agree. <laughs> so, you labeled what's exactly good, not exactly good. Uh, let's talk about something that might actually be good, and that's the Pittsburgh Pirates of 2018. They finished the season in fourth place in the NL Central. Uh, 82 wins, 79 losses. Alex, overall, I think they you know, exceeded the expectations of many, many, many people. Um, And to get 82 wins to show that they would have even had a winning season had they played this last game and everything, I thought that was a nice way to end the year. And while they didn't make the playoffs, I think this is a big step in the right direction, yes? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, people were saying they were going to lose 100 games. Which anyone who actually really knew the knew this team's like, no, 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 they're not going to lose 100. Maybe 70-something wins. Which, you know, basically everyone had them at. Yeah. And, you know what? This was a very average team all year long, but they finished off with more wins than losses. It's a good... It's a good omen to have the winning percentage start with a 5 after so many years of watching teams with... You know, 400-something winning percentage or, God, even 300-something winning percentages yeah. sometimes. It's it's nice. Overall, we agree with this. 82 and 79 is acceptable for 2018, but not for 2019. They need to take that next step next year. That That's what I wanted. The last couple of seasons, we've heard the term bridge year being thrown around, right? Where yeah. uh, in this is the ideal bridge year if you're the Pittsburgh Pirates. By no means should you be satisfied with winning 83 games. However, when you see the development of the amount of players, you know, who took a step forward this year, that's what you're looking for in a quote-unquote bridge year. Something that gives your fan base, gives your organization, gives your front office, gives the players 
some reassurance that we are moving in the right direction and that next year we are going to be better, we are going to be more competitive, thus we have a reason to believe in that and go out and get pieces so we can do that, so we can be more competitive. This was a successful bridge year, unlike the last two seasons. Yeah, and you know what, that 2016 team on paper probably should have been a playoff team. Yeah, they that if, wasn't if, a bridge year. That was didn't a, have yeah. such a drop-off if Cole didn't get hurt, if Liriano didn't have such a drop-off. That team probably should have made the playoffs, and 2017 would have been the bridge year. Yes. I it, think 2017 was, was always going to be the bridge year. I think they threw I that... I think 2017 was the roll the dice with most of the 2015 team, or whatever was left of that 2015 team, and, well, let's see what happens. Yeah. Which isn't exactly a great mindset to go into a season and they can't go into that in 2019. They can't go in. I mean, we're getting ahead. I'm getting ahead of myself because we're going to do a big off season preview Mm -hmm. next, but you know, they can't go into 2019 with Kevin Kramer and Kevin Newman as their middle infield. I'm going to be like, all right, let's see what happens. No, I mean, like I said, you know, like you just said, actually, we're not going to get into this in depth. Now that's going to be our next episode. Um, just the off season preview, but it's unacceptable if this is this group. While they did a good job, they did a very good job. It is unacceptable if they if this is you know who they trot out for opening day next year. You can't expect progress to be made if you don't make progress in the off season. We've seen other teams go out and make moves. Like the Brewers last year, they didn't make the playoffs. And I know I don't want to be that cliche Pittsburgh media guy who compares the Pirates to the Brewers. But I think the Pirates are similar to the Brewers in the sense where they had a notable season like the Brewers did last year. And now if they can make some additions, they can be competitive throughout the whole year in 2019, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I know everyone likes making that Brewers comp. Mm -hmm. And I think it is a good comp. Yeah. Honestly, because very similar markets... Uh, the payrolls are have traditionally been within arm's length of one another. Mm-hmm. I know, you know, Milwaukee's owner is getting lauded with praise because he spent money to get you know big acquisitions like Christian Yelich and Lorenzo Cain and Eric Kratz. Yeah, but, you know they had they the, had the lowest payroll in baseball in 2017. So it's like, okay, well, yeah, he, he spent all that money because he didn't spend it the year before. But that's neither here nor there. I get the point. I get the, what people are trying to say. Yeah. It's, and you know what? Like you said, Brewers in 2017 were really only a couple games better than the Pirates. Yeah. And the Pirates could have very easily finished with the same record that the Brewers did last year. They were very similar teams. Mm-hmm. Now it's time to take that next step. But you know what? We're going to talk about that more next week. Absolutely. So, let's get back to this past year, this 2018 season, Alex. Uh, who was your biggest, who will go with your team MVP, your biggest surprise, and your biggest disappointment? Rattle them off. Uh, big uh, MVP, it's, it's Tyon. Yeah. Tyon was the guy that every time he came to the mound, especially, you know, starting around June, it's like the Pirates have a legitimate shot of winning this game. Mm-hmm. I mean... No disrespect to Starling Marte or Cervelli, who would probably take the silver and bronze, but Tyon was the guy. For the time being, I would say this is his team right now. If you need to put a face to the franchise, he's the guy right now. Yeah, he's he's like the guy you put a C on his jersey. I mean, you can't really do yeah. that for a starting pitcher, but... Why? Dodgers yeah. did it. Yeah. I'm not saying that Tyon's Kershaw, but... No. No, but I think... I think he's going to take another step next year, whatever he has a whole offseason to play with that slider. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to become a truly devastating pitch, and he's going to take that jump to be a real ace mm-hmm. next year. Uh, biggest surprise for me, it's, I'm going to say Trevor Williams. Uh, yeah, you think? Yeah, I mean, he's... I didn't want to... He kind of had like a smoke and mirrors vibe. Mm-hmm. From last year, it's like, okay, guy has a low 90s fastball. How is he really doing this? Mm-hmm. I wasn't 100% convinced that he was a starting pitcher. But you know what? Especially in the second half, he was the best starter in you know the Pirates' second half history. I know Zane Smith finished with 
you know, an ERA that was a hair lower, but no, Trevor was better. Yeah. He, every time it was just, oh, he's, here he goes. Another start of six shutout innings. Oh, ho-hum. Really great. I am no longer going to question, you know, him as a starter or whatever. He's a legitimate starting pitcher in the middle of the rotation guy for me, if not front middle. Who knows? Maybe he'll just keep taking extra steps and, you know, make me look even more foolish. And disappointment, uh, Michael Felice. Oh, I, good pick. I was really hyped on this kid. He had that terrible opening day. But then for the rest of April, he pitched really well. Like, I don't know if he gave up a run in April since opening day was March 30th. But he really just took a nosedive. And even whenever he came up this September, he had, you know, the most generic or the best examples of his types of starts where he would go out, he'd pitch to four batters, he'd strike out two, and he'd get someone to, you know, fly out, and then he'd give up a 400-foot homer. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, man, this stuff looks really good except for that one pitch that was hit into the stratosphere. Yeah. And that's that's frustrating in general. I'm not saying DFA him or whatever, but, you know, he has to pitch for his job in spring training. Oh, yeah. I mean, he doesn't have a guaranteed spot on the Major League roster next season. He yeah. has no guarantees. All right, my MVP, uh, I'm going to go different from you uh, just because, you know, it's no fun to say the same stuff. Um, I'm gonna go different. I'm gonna say Corey Dickerson for the oh. for the whole, sole purpose of Dickerson was, I think, the silver lining to this past off season where we were waiting for that you know player to be signed and he never really came along, and you needed someone to replace McCutcheon. And even though McCutcheon in 16 and 17 wasn't the player he was from 2012 to 2015, he was still the most productive player in that Pirates outfield. Uh, you know, Marte had some good years here and there, but for the most part, McCutcheon was the most consistent player on the Pirates offense. And Dickerson came in, and he he was that guy. He he hit 300. I know the batting average isn't like the biggest stat now, but he was a good. He was a good average hitter. When he was hitting the ball, the team was hitting the ball. And I, I revert back to that 11-game win streak. When they moved him to the leadoff spot, that sparked the team, and that kind of rejuvenated the season. So from those two standpoints, I think that he's the MVP. I think that when he started hitting again in September, the team woke up once again and started winning. And then you look at the improvements he made on defense. I mean, they showed the numbers at the end of the season. He... He deserves to be in the gold glove conversation. I know that there are definitely better left fielders than Corey Dickerson at playing defense, but his stats show that he's an above average defender, which is not what we not what many said we got in that trade. So I honestly think, that he should probably be my biggest surprise. Yeah. Honestly, cuz yeah. he was the hitter that I expected but not the fielder. Yeah. He was good. Um, my biggest surprise, I'm going to go with, uh, Edgar Santana. Or, you know what? No, 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 no. Forget that. I'm going Richard Rodriguez. Ooh! Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, you know, Richard Rodriguez, I remember him, I missed, like, the update or something, because he got called up when they were on the road, I believe. And I remember, he came in the game, and I thought, I just thought, like, who the hell is this guy? And I thought I knew the Pirates roster pretty well, I'm like, where did this guy come from? And every year they have like one or two of those guys that get called up and they kind of slide through the cracks. But then, I mean, he was lights out pretty much from the moment he arrived. And, I mean, I remember Fangrass was writing stuff on him after like his first couple outings. Like, this guy could be like the steal. Like, you know, like one of the better relievers. And he turned out be to be a very good relief pitcher that I think come next year with Santana out, they're going to put a lot more faith in him, even though they, they, they put him in some tough situations this year, and I think he prevailed. I think he got progressively more reliable as the year went on, and I'm looking forward to see him continue to grow next season. And my biggest disappointment is a guy, I'm shocked you did not mention, Alex, it's Josh Bell. Um, Josh Bell, while you know we've talked about him all year long, how... Maybe it's unfair that we have these power expectations for him. 
plain and simple, a guy his size in the game today, the way the game of baseball is played today, a human his size, there is no excuse why he should not be hitting 20 home runs. There's no excuse. And he didn't come close to that. He had, like, what, 11 to finish the year after hitting 26 as a rookie or something along those lines. Um, it's just disappointing. Josh Bat or Josh Bell, whether if it's fair or not, based on like what his actual capabilities are, when he came up as a rookie and hit 26 home runs, he deemed himself the power bat, the middle of the lineup guy that the Pirates desperately needed. And if you can do that as a rookie, you should be able to do that. 20 home runs, like I said, and the the way the game is played today, 20 home runs with someone his size should not be that difficult. And he struggled to put the, you know, to hit the ball hard. Or hit the ball over the fence, I guess. So those are my three picks. Thoughts? I'm, I'm kind of angry that I didn't do Rich Rod. Is my surprise now. That yeah. really was, damn it. I'm mad about that one. I mean, Trevor and, Williams was a good surprise. He ended up being one of oh, the best yeah. pitchers and in he, baseball. But his surprise was just doing what he did last year. It was just validating that it wasn't a fluke. Yeah, I mean, he people do Which, forget that like he had a really good second half in 2017. Oh, yeah, he did. He was good as a starter in general. Yeah. Like, if you compare his starter stats this year to last year, I mean, he was a little better this year, but he looked like a good guy if you just look at the stat line yeah. last year. Him and Cool, I remember that. They both had really good second halves in 2017. And uh, Josh Bell, I've done a lot of writing about him and research, and the more I look into him, the more it's just frustration. It's like whenever 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 you're a kid and you do something wrong, and you think your parents are going to yell at you or ground you or whatever, but you're a little too old for that. Like, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Well, and that's somehow 20 times worse of like, no, you should have just grounded me. I could have dealt with that. That's kind of where I'm at with Josh Bell right now. I mean, he was ba- he basically had the same year as he did last year. Less than one more, a little better than average bat. <sighs> I don't know. Maybe the new hitting coach that comes in can finally work things out with him. And tell him how to repeat his mechanics, how to pull the ball more, and get the ball in the air more. Yeah. I just, Who knows? Because there there is still potential, but I'm just kind of writing this off as missed potential. I mean, it's like, just hit home runs, man. I, I, I don't... It's It it sounds stupid just to say, you know, because like, home runs are like the it's, hardest thing to do in the sport. But in reality, like, everyone's hitting home runs. Just hit yeah, home runs. Six foot four, two hundred, what, thirty pounds? More than that, probably. That muscle. Just hit home runs. You have that short right field porch. Try to pull your fly balls. Just, just hit home runs. All right. Now that we got that out of our system, we're gonna move on now to superlatives. There's no transitions in this episode either. Whoa. Yeah, none. Wild stuff. We're just going right through it. It's like the uh, bonus episode from the trade deadline. Okay. Uh, all right. So superlatives, Alex. You want to go first? Who do you got? We'll go back and forth. All right. Uh, most likely to be on a reality show. Ooh. All right. Can I give a guess before I give you before you give your answer? No, I thought that's how this was gonna go. Okay. Okay. Like you're gonna give yours and I'll give mine. Okay. Most likely to be on a reality show. I'm gonna go with Keone Kella. On which basis? You have to defend your pick every time. Um, Keone Kella is just a real dude. Uh, I mean, he was born and raised in Compton, and uh, he just doesn't take any flack from anyone, I guess you could say. Uh, I think he'd be very entertaining. All right, I could buy that. I'm going with uh, Stephen Brawl. Okay, that'd be I good. I could totally, not just like a reality show but like a game show uh i'd like to see him like on one of those crazy japanese game shows where he gets like knocked into a giant foam like whatever old school ninja warrior yes i want to see Mer- steven brought on the bachelor Steven Broad on american gladiators let's uh, see what happens steven brought on the bachelor yes 
That'd actually be a lot of fun. I mean, he sings. He's a baseball player. I mean, he's got a good personality. I think that would be entertaining. Or on The Bachelorette. Like, see guys compete against Steven Bro. All right. I'm going to go next here. Uh, biggest flirt. Alex, go ahead and give me your pick. <laughs> I'm going to go with Francisco. Okay, that's a hell of a pick. See, I went different here. I kind of made my picks related to, um, like, the actual play. So my biggest flirt was Chris Archer. Uh, he was a tease this year. And while, you know, at the end of the year, it's kind of like that girl you flirt with all during the whole year in high school. And then, in like, during finals week, right before you're going home for the summer, she actually, like, starts to show signs of, like, giving you a chance. So now, like, you just hope you got her number and you can, like, keep in contact with her over the summer. That way, next year, you can meet up with her and maybe, you know, pick up where you left off. But for the most part, Chris Archer was a tease. He was a flirt. He was, you know, all hype. He was exciting. And it was, oh, just be patient, just be patient. It's like, no, this was supposed to work out immediately. But it never did. So, yeah, biggest flirt, Chris Archer. But flirting... Still means that there is potential. Yeah, I, just, I took the very literal definition to that one. Yes. I mean, yeah. That's just fine. All right, go ahead. You're next. Uh, best bromance. Oh, I mean, it's got to be Brault and Williams, right? Yeah. You know, just for the sake of variety, and I seeing them back together again, that last series in Cincinnati, I forgot how much I missed the Gung and Cervelli bromance. That's funny. You know what? I forgot all about that, too, but I like that. Yeah. So, I'm going to piggyback off that for my next one. I was going to go cutest couple. Okay. Uh... <laughs> well, we kind of, I kind of did the cutest couple right there. No, uh... we're missing someone. We're missing someone? They went viral. Who, who am I missing? Newman and Kramer. Oh, yeah. Get it? Because it's Seinfeld. That's so cute. I don't want to be a pirate. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go again. Life of the party, Alex. Who is the life of the party? This is the easiest one of the ever. Who is it? Felipe. See, again, you're going literal. I'm going play-related. My play... Play-related life of the party is Gregory Polanco. When Gregory Polanco is on, this team is legit, and they can go head-to-head -head against anyone. When he's off, well, you know, throw a mattress by second base so he doesn't get hurt when he slides. That's all I can say. Uh, okay, okay. That's a good point. Yes. My counterpoint is Felipe Vazquez brought in a fog machine and DJ. Oh no 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 no! Table so they could have dance parties after they won. No no no! He is the life of the actual party. I like I said, I made my superlatives yeah. very like play related. Go ahead, you're up. All right, we know who best singer would be. That's a no brainer. Yes. Who do you think would be the worst singer on the team? Colin Moran. What's oh, Colin? Mar Colin Moran probably Colin has like Moran an opera be doing, voice. Like, the William Shatner, uh, Rocket Man, spoken word. <laughs> <laughs> like smoking a cigarette. Yes, but he wouldn't put any. He wouldn't even put any inflection on it. Rocket Man. <laughs> I'm a Rocket Man. No, I yeah. think yeah, probably Moran, or um, who else would be a terrible singer? Joe Musgrove. Yeah, he doesn't strike. JMO, I bet. JMO doesn't probably sing well. JMO looks like the type of guy who would still go out on karaoke night, though. Yeah, he would go out. So though. we wouldn't know he's a bad singer. Yeah. But he'd play it off. <laughs> All right. You want to go or you want me to? Uh, I got two more. I have. So how many you got? I have three more. So you go. All right. Most changed. Uh, I'm going to go with Big Greg. Okay. Um, because this was a 
very different guy that we saw last year. And literally over the course of the year, he made all those swing changes. He, he looks like a different player. Okay. Good for him. I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Richard Rodriguez. I mean, we talked yeah. about how he... But, like, think about how much has changed for Richard Rodriguez in a span of one year. One year ago, he was signing, you know, in this past offseason, he was signing on a minor league deal. He just got booed out of town in Baltimore. I mean, he didn't know if his career was ever going to, you know, surface. It might have been over for him. The Pirates were really his last hope. And now he's coming into 2019 with a guaranteed spot and a very good bullpen on a team that's going to be competing for the playoffs next year. And he's going to have... He's going to play a big hand in that. So I think that, yeah. And you saw him not only develop on the field, but develop in the clubhouse. When he was first up, he was quiet. He was shy. He even talked about how, you know, he didn't have many friends in Baltimore. But the the clubhouse in Pittsburgh really embraced him and brought him in. And he was just one of the guys by the end of the year. Um, he and Edgar Santana didn't wear uh, any basketball jerseys during the jersey game, uh, the jersey travel trip. They just wore Jordan brand stuff. That was the only weird thing uh, that he did. But for the most part, um, yeah, Rich Rod, he, he kind of came into his own this year. And we got him some Twitter followers as well. So yes, we did. Shout out to us for the glow up. All right. Since that's a good transition for who had the best social media, hard mode, you can't pick Trevor Williams. I mean... Okay, if you can't pick Trevor Williams... Yeah, that's the hard mode. You could go with the easy mode and pick him, but... Alright, well, I'm going to go off of one reaction then. And it was... It's got to be Joe Musgrove. When when they were in the midst of their 11-game win streak and Musgrove was tweeting about how everyone needs to come down to uh, the games and whatnot, and one guy said, Well, I'm not going to come, blah, blah, blah. And he retweeted him and said, You're not invited then. <laughs> that was awesome and then the the tweet he made to Archer about like which locker would you like yeah Musgrove had a good year on social media Musgrove did he was also responsible for giving us the picture of Jamison Tyone uh, in the Hakeem Olajuwon jersey with the follow through on his jump shot uh, similar to a Velociraptor yeah it wasn't it wasn't pretty not great Who's your pick? I'm going to go with Archer. I mean, he killed the social media game coming to Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah. That's a good yeah, pick. You know what? As, as the year kept going, still some quality stuff from him. Yeah. I, 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 I like the Twitter. I wish I was following him whenever he was on Tampa Bay. I mean, Archer's just a guy who gets that, though. I mean, he's he's like a, you know, like, there's guys that, like, understand social media and just aren't stars and then there's just a superstar who has to get twitter because like they're just a face of the game and archers they like, have to build a brand yeah you know it's all about team it's all about family it's all... yeah and Ar- archer's like hey so who's watching this football game yeah archer's <laughs> like uh, like that he's at that superstar level where like it's it's a part of his life you know like that's mm-hmm. so i mean that makes sense you want to go again? All right. It's my wait, last is it, one. Is it? Oh, wait. No, here. Let me go then. Okay. Most unforgettable. Most unforgettable. Uh. That's a weird superlative. Yeah. I mean, this was. I googled superlatives. And this because my mind immediately goes to being, you know, a smartass and trying to find the most forgettable person on the team this year. <sighs> Who would be the most forgettable person on the team? Uh, Emmy Rivero. No. Oh. Emmy Rivero. Josh Smoker. Josh Smoker. No, <laughs> we can't forget him. That, he's the most unforgettable, no matter how much we try. Emmy <laughs> Emmy Rivero is pretty forgettable. Or no, who was the guy we got from uh, Buddy Bouchers? <laughs> he didn't even. <laughs> Alright, guys. Who uh, you know what I liked about Any was that he pitched, what, two games? And he had that and double. One of those games he hit that double. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so were you surprised that you hit He's like, no, I knew I was a pretty good hitter. I was in like a softball, yeah. pitch softball league mm-hmm. at the Dominican. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, well. 
We didn't know you were such an experienced hitter. Yeah. So, who's your unforgettable? Uh, I'll go with Smoker. Why not? All right. Well, you already know who I'm going with. It's it's of course Clay Holmes. No yeah. one, no, never forget biometric gate. Um, but on a positive note, since I went negative, I'll go with one positive. I hope people do not forget about Pablo Reyes. Because Pablo Reyes, what regardless of how um twenty nineteen plays out, if he if he's able to continue what he started in September this year, or if he kind of fades away into the distance and never really, you know, catches that spark again, Pablo Reyes proved to me why everyone should love September baseball. Because it gives guys like him, like a Brock Holt like a Josh Harrison, you know, the undersized guys who just want to play in the big leagues, he gives them that chance. He provi- that, that provides them with that opportunity. And while some people don't take advantage of it and they can't capitalize, September baseball also gives, you know, teams to have magic moments where there's a Jacob Stallings or Ryan LaVarnway uh, walk-off hits or a, someone who, like Pablo Reyes, comes out of nowhere and really... <laughs> Like, puts the offense on his back for a couple games and makes excellent plays in the field. And, uh, yeah, I hope people don't forget about him. I hope he gives us a reason not to forget about him. You know what? That was probably the most fun September call-up since Holds come in. Before Holds come out, I can't think of anyone who even really compares. Yeah. I, um, I think Pablo, if Pablo never plays another game of baseball, he will still be like a borderline cult figure here. That's what I was just saying, a cult classic. Just like the, the real underscore where people 20 years from now are going to be at the game. Like, you remember Pablo Reyes? Like, yeah, what happened? Yeah, like, gifting go pay. You know, like, like those, like, ones you bring up and joke. Yeah. Alright, what's your last one? Sure's he doing, by the way. Oh, it's, it's doing well. I only bring it out for the big games. Okay. Okay. Alright. One more, and it's a big one. Most likely to be president. I'm going to go with... Hmm. I got a couple. All right. And I I got different ways how they can become president. Yeah, I'm going to give you two. And their lockers are right next to each other. Um, The first guy is Chad Cool. Um, He just seems like a very... Mellow dude, who is a competitor, uh, I, I I don't know why, I just feel, you know, like he's a New England guy, you know, they do well in elections, I feel like, and um, yeah, Chad, cool, you know, baseball's gonna be done, and he'll just go into politics, that's my first one, my second one, going off the political climate we have now, I feel like Nick Kingham could really make a run of things. <laughs> Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I mean, it's probably not for the best, but, <laughs> like, the way things work, Nick Kingham, one side or the other, probably could get votes. See, my mind went to, like, who, or I guess, who could be the most charismatic, put him in front of a camera, and he could just, you know, win everyone's heart like Obama did in 08, and be like, yeah, I think, like, someone like Josh Harrison could do that. Yeah. He could give a rousing speech and people oh yeah yeah i believe this now josh josh wouldn't want to put up with that shit though oh (laughs) and we're on our own network we're fine i can say i can say shit i'm not bleeping it out oh man we're going crazy yeah we're getting wild all right and but i also thought of it the other way of like who looks like they could be the real spineless whatever and just keep getting through through like special interests and corporations bankrolling them and jacob stallings gives me that oh (laughs) yes yes he could that's a good pick it's like hey what do you want me to believe in all right um and then last last one is uh best best pirates podcast i'm gonna go with north shore nine north shore nine was my pick as well okay (laughs) no i mean i think we give them a run for their money yeah, we're not bad. Yeah, we're all right. All right, so we're going to move out, out of superlatives. If you guys listening, or girls, um, have any other superlatives that we missed, 
And any other ideas or want to contribute, go ahead and give us a shout on Twitter at River Blast Radio or at our personal accounts at Noah underscore Hiles95 or at Alex J. Stump. And uh, we will be sure to retweet them and give you our thoughts on your picks. So, Alex, we're, we're seniors now. We just got our superlatives. Now it's time to look at the report card. End of the year report card. Let's go through it. Um, Alex, what's your grade starting pitchers? Uh, I'm going to give it a... Can I give minuses and pluses? Yes, yes, yes. Of, no, I'll go with B plus. Okay. I, I was a little more lenient. Um, I think they were an A minus altogether. Uh, just for looking at it like this, were they A minus quality? Probably not. But looking at this year as a bridge year, this was an A minus development for the Pirates. You, we are very excited about this rotation to come, and that is because of how what they showed us this year. So for that, I give them an A minus. Fair. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I just if it was the second half of the season, I'd just flat out give them an A. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Second half. But, but first like, half of the season, I think I'd probably give them a B minus, maybe even a C plus. Yeah. So like, I'm averaging that out to a B plus. All right, bullpen. A minus. Really? Yeah, I think Felipe really did. <laughs> I know the ERA really shot up, but it's the same FIP. It's Still 70 strong innings of work. And once you factor in, you know, great years from Crick and Rodriguez and Santana and Bergen and Kella, it's the core of what you want out of the bull, out of the bullpen. Okay, maybe the middle relief was a little shaky, but I, that's such a nitpick at that point. The people who actually matter in the bullpen pitched well this year. I'm going to give them a B. Um Strictly because the bullpen cost this team a lot of games in April, where I know it's it's kind of silly to cry over losses in April. However, they count just as much. They count just as much, and if you, I think they lost ten games in April, and the bullpen was responsible for five of those. So, I mean, you're gonna have mistakes, and it's good to have them, I guess, early on in the year where you can figure them out, and they did, but. Guys like Michael Feliz, guys like Josh Smoker, guys like Davinus Navaraskis, and all of these guys, like they just didn't show any signs of progress throughout the whole year. It was just continued, the same story, same struggle, and that's why I couldn't give him an A. Felipe had literally one one bad 10-day stretch, but it was the worst 10-day stretch I think I've ever seen a relief pitcher go through in my life. I mean, it was bad. Can I direct you to Mike Zagurski again? Mike Zagurski didn't have ten straight days, Alex. Mike Zagurski didn't have (laughs) Mike Zagurski didn't have ten days of career service in the big leagues. But uh, I mean, it was ugly. It was really bad. And but at the end of the day, you can't blame Felipe. Felipe was an A quality player this year. Um, You know, Crick had a little bit of struggle toward the end. Uh, Edgar, you know, took a little bit to get going, but you can't really complain. I think a B is something that you're happy with, and it tells you that you know the material and you can do better next year. But also, when we're going into next year, the reason you got to give him a B is Edgar Santana was a big part of the equation this year. Yeah, but that's that's going forward. Yeah, I'm talking 2018 part. Okay, of so, which Edgar was. Yeah, good. Yeah, he was good. He was a a minus quality least pitcher right there. All right, catchers. A plus. A plus. Wow. I'm not even messing around. How often do you get two catchers who could really hit? And then even the AAA call ups. Lavarnway got a couple hits. Yeah. I like Stallings, man. I before he starts that gutless, you know, rise into politics. Mm-hmm. Like I, he manages the staff well. He has a good rapport with them. I really couldn't care less if he hits or not. See, his value comes from you know being in the clubhouse. I'm gonna go a minus. Um, I think the only flaw of the catching staff this year was health. And while I know you can't really control being healthy or not, I think that that's a legitimate thing that they had to worry about this year, and that they're gonna have to worry about 
every year that they have Francisco Cervelli on the roster. And that's why I can't give him an A. Because it's great to see Francisco putting out the numbers that he did, and especially in June, when or May and June, when he was just killing the ball. But anytime a foul ball doesn't land in his glove, you worry about the guy. And I don't want to call him fragile because his, his injuries are legit, but, I mean, he's always hurt. He's always hurt, and that's almost as big as a problem as a player who's not reliable in the field or at the plate. If a guy can't stay healthy, that's not helping your team. And while they had two really good catchers this year, that's that's very true. But if one is always a health risk, that puts a lot of pressure on the other one to A, step up, and B, well, if he gets hurt, then your catchers are LeVar and Way and, and Stallings. And while one might you know have a great career in politics ahead of him and the other had a hilariously magic moment in September, neither one of those guys are starting for a good team. Unless, you know, maybe when they're like 37, they pull an Eric Kratz. I was going to say. Yeah, so maybe I'm wrong. Four wins away, man. Yeah, but I don't know. You see my concern with the health, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to knock that off off their final grades, though. But after, upon a little more thinking, I'm going to make it just a regular A because I remember the framing wasn't that great. Okay. And... There are more than a few wild pitches, but I'm going to put a lot of blame on the pitchers on that one. Mm. Yeah, I think I'm going to move mine to a B plus. All right. All right. Enfield. Right. F. I gave mine a D plus. You're generous. I, I was very generous on this one. Um, only positives I've seen from the infield this year. Moran got playing time and got a full year of Major League experience under his belt. Kramer and Newman got MLB experience. We got to say goodbye to Jordy and Jay Hay. And, um, Jung Ho played a game. Uh, that's. Anything else? Any other good things that came from the infield this year? I don't want to be a pirate! Yeah. I mean, it's. It was not good for the Pirates infield. No. A, bl- I... a blatantly obvious hole in the team. Is there infield? I really should have finished up on that story because I, like, with two weeks left to go, I wrote, you know, this could be a historically bad Pirates infield or reminiscent of historically bad Pirates teams. But I think Frazier might have screwed things up by being good down the stretch. Yeah. That, I mean, lot, that's Frazier. the only bright spot. <laughs> yeah. And I don't really consider him. I mean, he is an infielder. Had a terrible first half of the season, and whenever he was good in the second half, he was playing in the outfield half the time. Yep. So it's still an F. Yeah. Overall, I get yeah D plus. I give him. All right, outfield. I'm gonna give him an A minus. A minus. Those are three good outfielders. Not even three average. Three legitimately good outfielders. I gave a B minus. Um, I want to see more power from Dickerson. Uh, Gregory. Stay healthy. Just stay smart. I, I, just, stop with the dumb stuff. Both of them. Stop being dumb. Marte. God almighty. You're the best player that makes me want to pull my hair out. Marte should be a stealer. Marte should, Marte belongs on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Because. Oh, let's train him. Let's find out. I mean, yeah. Oh, it's frustrating. I mean, Marte. Marte is so similar to the idiots we cheer for on Sunday in the sense where he is so talented, but just uh, so, so dumb. He's so dumb. He does not know how to run the bases. He he makes so many bad decisions in the field. Yeah, Alex, and he, yeah, and he, I don't think, you know, I don't know how it works in the Dominican, but like, I'm sure they play rundown at some point. The dude doesn't know how to, he does not know situational base running at all. And it has been a constant flaw to his game. He knows how to steal a base. That is good. What about all the times he goes from first to third? What about all the times he gets thrown out at home? How many times was he thrown out at home this uh, year? I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me. And I, to be honest with you, uh, it's late. And 
I don't want to really look it up. But... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm content with just yelling about that one. No. Because I can't really think of how he, many... He, any, anyone like, who would watch... I remember being Alex. thrown out at home like 16,000 times this year. But Starling... I... Maybe two. He's not... I mean, he's a good base stealer. He's not a good base runner. I will say that. I'll stick by that. That's half of being a good base runner. What? That's half the battle of being a good base runner. I disagree. I disagree. Pedro Alvarez was a good base runner. How could he be a good base runner? How could he be a good base runner? Because he knows the game. He ran like four miles per hour. But listen, listen. Jung Ho, another good base runner. These guys, they understand the... Jung Ho is a good base runner. Yes, exactly. You want to tell me why? It's because he understands the fundamentals of the game. He goes halfway. He doesn't pull Trevor Williams and try to tag uh, to second base or something like that. He doesn't do that. Marte does so many dumb things on the base paths. And, or, I or, Trevor did that. yeah, I mean, yeah. I'll, and he didn't even Naruto run this year. That's my biggest disappointment of 2018. I, I hate that. I hate that. I, I get so uncomfortable when I see that. Just because, like, there was always that, like, one, was that you in middle school who, like, ran to the bus no, like that? No, no. Was it? No, I was still into, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! at that point. I wasn't ready to go full-blown <sighs> Naruto. See, I never was into Avatar. That's what that is, right? No. No, it's Naruto. Oh. See? I, I don't know. But, um... We're cover it up so we don't know that it was actually you. I don't know. I'm play, I played sports in middle school. I was cool guy. <laughs> I was more of a Star Wars guy. But, um... Yeah, Mar- Marte... Marte is just... Do you think Marte's a smart baseball player? I don't... <laughs> Alex, be honest. I think he is smarter than people give him credit for. Uh, in Do what I think way? that he in okay, that ball that happened in Chicago. Yeah. Where he went to back up but Jose Azuna kind of because he mm. thought Okay, okay. Should he have probably caught that ball? Yes. Yes. But it's his decision. No. It's his decision, and he went to right field. He went behind it. If Jose Asuna would have followed through on the play, he would have caught that ball. Nobody would have thought of that twice. No, Alex. You're right. He is a gold-glove caliber outfielder. He is playing center field. That is his ball. It's not his decision. If you're but ever in the outfield... If, he has seniority over everyone. He gets the ultimate say. And if, Jose Asuna needs to keep running to that ball until he hears Starling say, I got No it. one in the major league should ever say... You got it. It's I got he didn't it. Say or you got it. You have to assume that you got it until someone says that you don't got it. Yes, and that's what I'm saying. Marte, what you're insinuating is that Marte should have been like, "You got it. You got it. You got it." Instead of no, if you say you got it, they think you say that. No, no. The that's what you're saying. Needs to keep going to the ball until he hears the center fielder say, "Go but away." But Osuna can't get to that. And Marte could have. He's dumb. He's dumb. I like him. He's very fun to watch, but he does the most mind-numbing things at times, and he's very similar to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think I hit that one on the head. I know some people are not going to like me for that take, and I'm okay with that. Can he kick a field goal? I mean, can he can he, can he, cut, can he play cornerback? You can't take it with you, Le'Veon. Um... Manager, what's your grade? This is if you think we were contentious there. I'm gonna give Clint a B minus here. On what grounds? On the grounds that this was a team that everyone expected to lose a whole lot more games that they needed to. I saw steps forward from the people who need to take steps forward besides Josh Bell. Polanco came back. Marte came back. I coaching staff as a whole, I would probably, including Hurdle, I'd probably put it C plus. But Hurdle himself, he kept those twenty five men together all year long through some decent famine. All right, I I'm, gave I gave him a C minus. Um, I think there there are some positives. I think that he did keep morale decent. I think that he stuck by Polanco when a lot of people were calling for his head. 
Those are two really good moves on his end. However, when I think of like a managerial war, Clint Hurdles was not positive. It might not have been like like a minus seven or whatever, but I think that this team lost more games than won when it came down to his unique decisions. Where there's there's every team is there's like a group of like 10 games that they will either win or lose based off of choices made by their manager. I think the Pirates probably went 3 and 7 in those 10 games. Whereas someone like the Red Sox went 9 and 1 or the Indians went even though Francona sucked, you know, in this in this postseason. He was horrible. And Joe Madden wasn't good in the wild card game or whatever, but those guys normally make the right calls, and Clint, I feel like, was on the wrong side of many decisions this year that cost his team games. And so, I do I think he's horrible? No. Do I think, I mean, would I like to see a different manager in there? I think there are people that could do a better job. But knowing, no, really? I mean, yeah, Buck Showalter is a better manager than Clint Hurdle. Disagree with me? I think Buck is a better manager, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to you know, kick Clint out for Buck right now. That's what now. I'm saying. That's because what I'm saying. If, if out of those 10 games, even if, you know, Buck wins all 10, well, guess what? Pirates still aren't in the playoffs. If they improve 10 more games, they win 92 games. You just said they were 3-7 and seven in oh, those Clint games. But so I, be, I, if you if go 10-0, they they'd, be, they'd be 89 wins. That's not enough. Okay, but you're right. I mean, maybe those wins come again. And also, Buck Showalter just lost, what, like 115 games with yeah. his most current team? I mean, yeah, but... I, I, okay, that wasn't all Buck's fault, but yeah. a portion of it was Buck's fault. Buck, Buck, Buck was the captain of the Titanic there. He just went down with the ship. All right. Um, yeah, yeah, and like I said, I, do I think there are guys out there that could do a better job? Absolutely. Do I think that firing him would be the right move? Probably not, because you gotta you gotta let this group group grow. Um, you, you know, Clint has what three more years left on his contract. Mm-hmm. I kind of look at this next this window that the Pirates have opened up for themselves is about three years long. You know, yeah, you know, it's how long they have Archer, and that's how long you know before. I guess they have Tyon and Bell and stuff, guys like them for four years, but. It's like a real three to four year window of opportunity. I would say four like, years. I, I, yeah, and and that's Clint's. That's Clint's window. Yeah, I think at the end of the window, that's going to be it for both of them. Yep. Unless, unless it, they determine that you know Clint's holding them back from achieving that window. But for now, I think that's going to be how his career in Pittsburgh w- wraps up. All right, and we will wrap it up here with, um. Front office, what's your grade? You know what? Since it will elicit a reaction, I'll go with an A. Wow. I'll go with an A on this one because the Kutch trade was good. The Archer trade, I will still say, is good for the boldness. The Dickerson trade, I don't, what goes above A+. plus? Yeah. The Kella trade. Good. He showed that he could be aggressive in both selling and buying this year. And I guess the cold trade wasn't exactly perfect. No, it wasn't a good one. No. But you know what? On paper, that looked like a pretty good trade mm. at the time. Eh. I, I'll just say A. This has probably been one of Neil's best years as a GM. I like the trades. I'm going to go with a B minus. Um, because I think the trades were good. I can't give them an A because of the coal trade. Um, I probably shouldn't. I'm I'm booting it down to an A minus. Yeah, well, like the the coal trade to me is minus ten points right there. So they're already down to a ninety percent, which is like an okay. A minus. But then, um, you know, I I think that you also got to dock points for the fact that they didn't sign one free agent, and that oh, also who would have made a difference. I mean, I think that one bullpen arm probably would have helped them win all, a couple more games in April. All the bullpen arms were bad. They got the best free agent bullpen arm. His name was Richard Rodriguez. Yeah, but that's I'm saying they. I don't know. They could have done something. 
I don't know what, but doing... they need to do something this off season. Yeah, absolutely. But something would have been better than nothing. Well, he kind of after the cold trade, he's like, "Well, I needed a third baseman. Got it, Marin. I needed a starter. That's Musgrove. Needed a reliever. That's Feliz, and that was kind of it." I mean, you can never have enough. No, you can never have enough, but you have to know where you need to put your allocation of resources. But they didn't allocate any resources. Maybe they're going to allocate those resources this year. I hope they're right, and that's where you'll hear about on the next episode. As we wrap this one up here, um, we are going to close the show. We're going to sign off, and then I have a cold take of the year, one from me and one from Alex. Uh, and uh, we'll have a Twitter poll up on River Blast Radio tomorrow sometime, and you guys can vote who had the worst take. Um, but that's how we'll close out the show, audio-wise. But for for this, Alex, any final thoughts on the 2018 Pittsburgh Pirates? I really wish Trevor would have Naruto grunt. Yeah, I still don't know what that is. I mean, I do know what Nar- Naruto running is. It's like... Throwing your arms yeah, behind your back. Yeah, it's from Avatar, remember? Huh? It's from Avatar, remember? It is. Is it from Avatar? Are you no. messing with me? Okay. Alright. Um, 2018 Pirates, final thought. Um, you know, it was good to see uh, Women Empowerment by Han- Jalapeno Hannah and Pizza Penny getting the final race this year. Um, it was It was nice to see them and cover the pierogies like I did this season. Uh, it was definitely a season I won't forget. My first one covering Major League Baseball. And, uh, yeah. That's that's my final thoughts. And it was fun starting this podcast with you, Alex. It was fun starting this podcast. You know what? We're going to call this the end of season one, I guess. End of season one, wow. Yeah. Wow. What a year. Should we play, like, Time of Your Life by Green Day and let the credits roll. All right. For Alex Stump, I'm Noah Hile signing off saying thank you as always for listening. We'll have the off-season preview coming up sometime next week. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at River Blast Radio, at Alex J. Stump, at Noah underscore Hiles95. We'll get you all of your content. We'll get you everything you need. Uh, and be sure to interact with us. We're not going away anytime soon. So, for Alex, I'm Noah Sin. Thanks for listening. Enjoy our cold takes. And, as always, let's go Bucks. The guy who I think is really going to break out in the second half is Nick Kingham. Pretty fun to watch pitch, I think, when he's when he's going. He's one of those guys that the Pirates, I think, needed. He's a strikeout pitcher, I think, when he's fully moving. Um, and I think he can be a very reliable guy in their rotation, not only this year, but many years to come. Uh, he had that stuff that everyone loved when he was in the minor league system. He was a top one of their top-rated prospects for a while, but then the injuries kind of made people forget about him. But... Uh, I've seen enough to be sold on this guy, especially in his last start. Uh, and I think with Cool's injury still having some uncertainty around it and with other guys like Williams still struggling to find consistency, I think Nick Kingham's going to take that step and not only assert himself as one of the best pitchers on this team for the remainder of this season, but he's going to come into next year as maybe the team's third starter. I think he's going to do that well. Um, I am buying uh, Estrad's swing right now, you know, coming off wow. the DL. All right, we're back uh, at yeah, it. We're, we're right back it's at it. It's a tennis match of hot takes right now. <laughs> I, I'm i not going to say, you know, you know, 2016 Estrad's back, but if you look at where he was in June in the swing, where it was in Cincinnati, you know, the leg kick he's cut down, He's having be- he has better control of the lower half of his body. It looks good. It looks good. It's no surprise that I know Cincinnati's pitching's not that great, but that he was able to drive, you know, a bunch of balls in Cincinnati, you know, the two home runs and the double. I think Sean Rodriguez, good utility player, is back. Good utility bench player is back. And maybe, I don't know if this whole season will end up being, you know, a positive that they did hang on for him for now, but hey, you know what? He's here now. I think he'll be a net positive going down the stretch. (laughs) 